everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. I have the incredible Mike Diamond with me. We are on a date for destiny this morning. We have our first guest here today. Welcome, Mike. How are you, by the way? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm very good. Oh, it's early in the morning. I, I don't know what that is. I can't get it off my computer. Those, that, <laughs> I mean, so cool. like, sorry, Glenn. I don't know what it is. Okay, <laughs> uh, we, we're having quite a morning here. I'm eating a protein yeah. bar. We got fireworks going off. Glenn is calling tech support. And meanwhile, we're having a great time today on Office Hours. It's the real deal here. Has been for 560 episodes. So I know it'll turn out okay. He is the vice president and GM of NWS. Not NWA, Mike. NWS. <laughs> Glenn Poulos, welcome to Office Hours. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Hey. Well, anyone that loves sales as much as Mike and I love sales, we cannot wait to have on the show. And you have a new book out, uh, the Never Sit in the Lobby book. Uh, yeah. I think that's especially true today. You have 57 different winning sales factors to grow your business and build build your career. I'm just considering you are so young, and I know you spend most of your time in tech support. Uh <laughs> You know, sales has changed so much, especially over the last 10 years. And a lot of people have not, our age, uh, have not been able to adopt and right. don't understand the numbers, the math of how it works differently today than it did when uh, we had Thomas Brother guides and roles of orders and, you know, a variety of other things that were required to be great salespeople. Uh, for you, what are some of the things that you uh, changed in the winning sales factors uh, comparatively if you would have written this book 20 years ago? Well, yeah. And I mean, the first thing I want to just start with is saying is that, you know, I had built up a company and I'd become the sort of the general manager running all aspects, finance, operations. All the problems came to me. Sales guys reported to me sort of the sales managers. And then I sold the business and um, I was doing the same job. And then the the new owner came to me and he said, look, you know, the market's kind of taken a turn. We'd like you to change your role from GM and we'd like you to grab your sales bag again and go back on the road and drive the entire sales team, let go of everything else. And um, it proved to us, you know, what's written in your book, right? And uh, so it was kind of daunting. It was, it was only a few months ago, but I've been... Uh, so I've gone from sitting in the office, running the whole business for years and years. Now I'm back on the road, back in front of customers five days a week on a plane, Sunday night, coming home Friday night. And um, I, I was home last night. I'm leaving again today. And uh, and a, a lot has changed, but nothing's changed, right? And so for me, it's all about being face to face with the customer. And, um, you know, uh, for me, you know, everything, everything I'm doing to get in front of the customer, I call that marketing. Once I'm in front of the customer, that's when I'm selling, right? That's selling for me. Um, one thing that really shocked me was, um, you know, we had <clears throat> when all these, the company bought my company and we changed our name and we got these fancy new business cards and I just started handing them out in the last few days and last week as well. And the customers are giving them back to me and they're like, you know, what are you killing trees? Like we don't need cars. We don't do cards anymore. And uh, <laughs> send me an email. I was like, I was really shocked. Right. And, uh, and I mean, like they just totally just didn't want my business card. Right. And so th that jumped out at me as being like, you know, uh, I wasn't really expecting it. Right. I thought, oh, I need a big box of new cards. I need to make sure I never run out of them, but like, I don't even need them anymore. Right. And um, 
But for me, the, you know, it's important that uh, somehow the, the way I get in front of the customer has changed a lot using LinkedIn, using a lot of the marketing techniques we're using, um, tracking leads, doing all that. But once I'm in front of the customer, a lot of it's very similar to the way it's always been since 1985 when I, when I made my first sales call. And I love what you said. Um, and Dave said adopt. And for me, it's a being like you've done adapting and adapting you know, any, any, any like with the world creatures that can adapt, survive the longest. And obviously it's in your nature to sell, but then you have to then learn to nurture yourself to be uncomfortable again and adapt to these different changes. Right? So when you go through that, because you start to get a little crazy, like you're back on the road, how do you deal with that process daily? Cause that's a big stretch, you know, that's hard to do. So what's your daily, how do you, how do you, how do you adapt and, and keep, keep positive? Yeah. So, uh, well, when I first, when I first made the change, to be honest, it was kind of a, a strange kind of hit to my ego in a way. Right. I'm like, wait a minute, I run the whole company. Like I don't make, I don't really make the sales calls anymore. Right. And, and then, you know, and then I sort of took a step back and I said to myself, look, I mean, the market's changed. 2023 has not been the best year in the industry that I'm in. And if I'm not going to get out there with everyone else and help turn around this business in the market, uh, then no one else will. Right. So I, I, it took a few days, but I was able to finally put my ego aside and say, look, I mean, if I can turn this thing around, make a bunch of calls and, and I'm going to get all the credit. So <laughs> that'll be even more fun for my ego at a year from now or 18 months from now. Right. So so there was that part about it, the mental part about going back on the road and uh, focusing just more on selling than than anything else. And uh, but then also there's the health aspect of, you know, um, not quite used to traveling five days a week um getting up early time zone changes from the east coast to the west coast every week and you know so i've been looking at my diet i've been trying to get some weight off you know trying to uh trying to get my my fitness re regimen as simple as it is which is basically get my steps in and you know try to eat right and stuff like that right and um and so there's kind of multiple aspects of of taking care of yourself and um you know, and I mean, I always try to get a good night's sleep. That's also really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep is essential. I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame of sleep someday. A third of our life spent <laughs> in sleep. And done. <laughs> the humility, uh, humility of being able to, I think what's most remarkable and what excites me about learning the books is that I know very few people that after exiting home business and being the general manager, uh, would be open-minded enough to show people how it's done uh, and to prove, as you said, to get all the credit. And I see that uh, still today in the business that I run is that one of the things I will continue to do is, you know, get on the phone and show people how it's done. And I think in-person uh, is an area which will be as big as a differentiator in business uh, in the next decade that AI will be. Those people that know how to face the feet, communicate and articulate quantitative value and travel, uh, it's going to get exceptionally easier for those people that know how to do it because the excitement of meeting someone face to face and the differentiator of value that's created emotionally by getting face to face. And I'm sure that's part of 57 winning sales factors to grow a business and build a career. Yeah. And you continually are doing both. 
Um, if you want to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun, uh, even if you're not in sales, you want to read this book to learn how to inspire and empower your sales people uh, with these 57 winning sales factors. It's not NWA, it's NWS, and it's not <laughs> 57, it's the 57 winning sales factors to grow a business and a career. I recommend it highly to everyone. Thank you so much, Glenn. We'll have you back on. Thanks, Great luck on the road. I'll see you at the airport. All righty. Look forward to seeing you guys again soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, you know, Mike Diamond is the expert in recovery. He deals with, uh, you know, people at their lowest moments. Uh, you know, I think I'm uh, adequately trained to do that because I do travel 200 days a year and I get yeah. to meet people in their dire, dire circumstances, anxiety, stress, etc. Meanwhile, it's my home away from home. My new address, if anybody wants to mail me a gift, I appreciate all the offers, is seat 3B. Uh, so if you just send it to uh, the major airlines, David Meltzer at seat 3B, I'll receive your books, your coffee, your t-shirt, all the gifts that you want to send me. So very few people, I give my cell phone, that's nothing. How many people give their home address to anybody out there? That's so great. We're bringing the big hitters. I'm surprised this guy's so famous uh, in the music industry. I'm surprised so he's much. here at 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> He has to be a Hollywood star, the Grammy-winning music executive, the acclaimed author himself, Tom Sturgis. Welcome to Office Hours. Hey there, and good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Hey, good Mike. morning. It's good to see. Good to see. Are you are you just going to bed or or waking up here uh, with all the? Uh, no, I, I've got uh, just took my son to weightlifting for uh, baseball. He's a freshman on his baseball team. And I'm going to chat with you guys, and I'm going to go pick them up. Well, let's let's talk and start there because uh, all three of us had you know different types of career, but I've had a, a little bit of fun around the biggest names in sports and entertainment, especially. All three of us know what it's like uh, to be surrounded by that lifestyle. Um, has it always been a priority of yours, uh, putting your family first over your career? Um, I grew up, my uh, father died when I was, uh, three. The last time I saw him, I was one and I figured out for myself that if I could give my children what I didn't get, it would heal me. So I am, uh, I am a complete father in every respect. I'm there every minute I'm available anytime they need me. So my boys are now 32, 22, and 14. And they can call at 5 o'clock in the morning or 5 in the afternoon. And so I said, just call, whatever you need me. So uh, I've been a coach, 52 teams, um, and volunteer at my children's school. So the, fa the family is first and everything to me. And uh, I've had the opportunity to do it twice. My first wife and I split up. Uh, I actually wrote a book about us called A Good Divorce Begins Here because we have stayed the closest of friends and we talk most mornings and she calls me her best girlfriend, which I'm not sure what that means, but at least she calls me. So we talk every day and my beautiful wife allows that to happen. So I'm, I'm having a beautiful wife. 
You're you're amazing. So, I, I, sorry for interrupting, Mike. I just have to comment for a sec because you know I have a a baby oops with the same wife, and I can't tell you because I have 24, 22, 19, then a 13 year old, and uh, you, you probably understand this. The two things I get is you know same wife. They'll ask me you know same wife. I'll say yes. I remember at the fifth grade graduation of my son, uh, it was an eye opener for me when someone came up to me and said, "Oh my gosh." I didn't know Dave Meltzer's grandson goes to school here. <laughs> Whoops. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I appreciate it's, that. I will also like, uh, with you. It's like asking somebody who's a little heavy set if they're pregnant. And you yeah. just go, oh, I no. I get that, you too. Do not get that do too. that. Do not do that. I get that, too. I tell I tell them I'm in shape. Round is a shape. But uh, yeah. I, I, I have to comment. I have to comment on the on the family side because you you hit a nerve with me, and I'm sure I, I'd love to hear Mikey's comment before he asks your question. Um, my father left when I was five. He he didn't die. He just left. Uh, but I became friends with him. Uh, I'm gonna get choked up. Like I'm not gonna make you cry. My mic. Sorry. Uh, but he he left. We became friends. But he never told me three things, which was that. He loved me. He was proud of me, and he had my back. So I chose, you know, and I tell them that every single day. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I thought it was because that's what dads were supposed to do. But it, I think it's more that's what I wanted my dad to do for me and heal that for me. Well, you're giving. Uh, right, you are healing yourself. You're allowing yourself to heal by giving what you didn't get and it just it fills the whole day by day sometimes a grain of sand at a time but it's an issue they will not have to deal with when they're older and say hey i wonder if my dad loved me and they're no no he told me every single day right so do you know this symbol this is a sign language for i love you or yeah. love so i taught this to all my boys so when i could see them on the soccer field and it would be too embarrassing to go, hey, I love you, man. I could just go like this. And it was so exactly for that thing that you're you're talking about. So they would know love from 100 yards away or right next here in my voice. That's beautiful. Yeah, DK Metcalf, uh, the wide receiver, needs to learn that. he He's learning sign language so he can talk trash on the football field oh. without getting all those penalties. Yeah, without getting all those penalties. That's available. <laughs> You're number one, Mike. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike. I've held, I've held you off long enough. Give it to us. It's amazing. Tom, I mean, you have such an incredible career. I, I owned a bar years ago with Scott Wilde uh, in New York City called Snitch. And so mm -hmm. I'm familiar with all the bands that you've worked with in your career. How did you, because a lot of people can't get this, you've worked around so many incredible artists. You've gone through a divorce, but you're still a devoted parent. And you've had the ability to remove your emotion, even though your emotion is still, you know, it's very difficult what you're dealing with, especially artists and music and the entertainment business. It's the, I deal with it now as an addiction specialist. Mm. I get all the people I used to party with. I get the kids now or I get them. It's just a cycle of insanity sometimes, right? And they right. only trust me because I used to party with them. Wow. I'm like, oh, he'll get you sober. So can you explain that process? Because writing, having the courage to write a book about divorce and, you know, go through that, that's really difficult, especially in the entertainment business. 
Thank you, man. Thank you for all those kind words. Congratulations on your sobriety. Um, some of my best pals, there's a guy I've been teaching uh, uh, at UCLA with for 20 years. We teach a class called The Music Business Now. And he's uh, he's an amazing fellow named Jeff Jampol. So, Jeff, if you're up and watching, pay attention. He manages uh, legends. So he manages the doors, for instance. And you wouldn't think about it, but he's he's doing that every day. But he's also centered to his life, his, his sobriety, and bringing the next guy in and saving the next guy and saving the next guy. So congrats to you. Um, I think one of the things that's so important, whether you're signing a writer or you're helping somebody out or you're working with your kids, is you have to establish trust with that person. Right. Trust is the most important thing to me. There's only one way to establish trust with somebody, and that's to do what you say. It's very, very simple. If like I, you guys wanted me here at 615, for God's sake. Uh, and you know what? I'm here. So the next time you need me, I've already established that one brick of trust on the on the bridge that's going to cross a river of insanity. And that's what you have to do with those people. So if you're rescuing somebody from their sobriety, you say, dude, I'll be at your house at 430 and you're knocking on the door at 430. They go, oh, OK. And it's the same with your kids. You say, daddy will pick you up at this time or daddy will be at your game or whatever it is. As long as you do what you say, you can establish trust. And I think that's what I did with all the all the bands I signed, all the writers I had a chance to work with. If I said I was going to do something no matter what hell high water me getting on a plane at one o'clock in the morning to get there i was where i said i was going to be doing what i said so i think that's the that's the key in almost all relationships do what you say it's old school and it's 100 percent true yeah. you walk the walk tom and you, you walk the walk not only in the family and in your profession and there's an award-winning documentary film about tom and the witness to a dream but what I want to finish up with, Tom, is you, Mike, and I all work with at-risk kids. Uh, you may even know Jerome Carter, because I know you work with the LESD as well. Uh, one of the guys who brought me in and has worked for 30 years here in LA uh, with at-risk students. And one of my favorite stories is about when I made a promise to my son. I told him I would coach him uh, in flag football. That would be the last year I would do it, because I want him to know that he was going to be a starter because his dad wasn't the coach, not was the coach, but oh. it cost me a fortune <laughs> flying <laughs> private all, all over all over the country to get home for a stupid flag football game. But the last game of the season, I asked my son, I said, hey, I'm going to have to miss the game, even though I promised it's up to you, but I have a thousand at-risk kids at uh, Loyola Marymount University with LAUSD, and it's up to you. Do you want me to go up there and help those kids or – I want to be a man of my word and show up to the football game. And he looked at me and he said, Oh dad, you got to go help the other kids. And I was oh, so proud of him. Oh, like, good boy. Yeah. That's what I said. And he said, dad, actually you're just not that good. Of a coach." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's honest. Also, this is fantastic. <laughs> he's on Exactly. Um, but you do so much to give back, especially to kids, not just your own. Um, and in that documentary, it talks about your efforts uh, in, in what you do to change the future. 
we're building a generation of people who hate each other right now because of all the different circumstances that we're building a generation of people that are separate from one another. You're around so many at-risk children. Um, what are some of the things that we can do as leaders that have experienced uh, these types of uh, emotions to help children unite with one another and give them the hope, not only for getting along with each other, but loving each other and loving themselves. I th well, again, congrats to you for doing it the way you're doing it. I think that's amazing. For me, uh, what I have tried to do, uh, especially when I, my, I was running my foundation, is I would show up every week. I had lunch at the same school every Wednesday for 15 years. And those kids got used to seeing me. So I saw some of those kids uh, starting in second grade and I was there when, when they graduated. So I saw the first whisker, the first zit. I saw them holding hands. I'm like, why are you holding hands? You're in ninth grade. There's plenty of time for that later. It was, so it was a consistency and a constancy that they knew that there was no way out. I would always, I was always going to be there. The other thing I think that I did, I did two other things that occurred to me. Number one, I never was one-on-one -on -one with a kid. Never. I was always two of them, one of me. And some somebody would come up and say, hey, can I talk to you? I've, I've got a problem. And I would go, yeah, absolutely. Come here. Hey, Steve, come here. Let's talk. So I put that other person in the room so they've already got a local, a local contact, not just with me, number one. And number two, I would listen. Because we have a tendency, I think, as mentors and guiders to think, well, the more I talk, the more is going to get in. And it's actually the opposite. The more I listen, the more they will feel understood with their issues. So always listening and always making sure there's, a, there's another chess piece on the board. I got three words uh, to leave you with, Tom. Wow, wow. And wow, uh, I certainly appreciate it. We have so many other shows. I have a TV show on Apple and a variety of other places. Would love to invite you on. I know Mike uh, as well does a lot of different things. The world needs more of you. I know you're already acclaimed with Grammys, et cetera, and around the biggest and the brightest. Uh, but what I love about you is you're really not worried about people listening to you. You're worried about what they're listening for and allowing it to come through you. And that came across immediately. Uh, every relationship is indicative of the man that Tom Sturgis is, whether it's his ex-wife, his current wife, his four children, or the community in general, or the music world. Uh, you can't give what you don't have. And there's a lot of love and gratitude in Tom Sturgis. And he's giving love and gratitude every day. Please promise before we let you go that you'll come back on our shows. Uh, the world needs more of you. Oh, you're so kind. I so appreciate those words. And uh, that gets my day started with a nice uh, chill down my back. So all love to both you guys. Right. Thank you so much. Right. Uh, he's got it. Mike, you got it. <laughs> You'll be seeing that on Instagram. Sure. Love to you guys. There it is. There it is. You can see it from across the world. See you, fellas. All right. You're amazing. Wow, you know, awesome. the guys who wake up early, you know, what an amazing first two guests and uh, our friends waiting patiently in, in the green room. He's a Buckeye like me, uh, the author and co-chairman at McGahan, <laughs> Rob Bender, sorry, 
uh, it's a tongue twister at 6 a.m. He's already at nine something. So he's well awake. Are you suited up, Mikey? Look at us. You got a hoodie on. I got the ferocious Buddha hat. Um, <laughs> uh, w- welcome, Scott, to Office Arms. Ah, that's awesome. We're going to use that on Mikey Unbroken when he comes back from his right. date. We love it. Tony Robbins. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I want to talk about culture. And, uh, you know, there's a lack of culture. Some blame it on the remote working, some people on AI, some people just on the nature of advancement in society itself. Um, but I agree with the title of your book, Culture is an Inside Job. Uh, and we can't find outside us what we can't find inside of us. And uh, the job embracing self-awareness to inspire an authentic organization is a, ultimately a great way to build a culture. How can we practice digging deep and creating self-awareness in a corporate sense to create a self-aware organization uh, as or along synergistic with our own self journey? Yeah, well, hey, thanks for having me. And, and I certainly enjoyed uh, the last guest. And, and you know, like you said too, Dave, is man, you cannot give what you don't have. And I think what I've learned, uh, and Mike, thanks for sharing your recovery journey. And I've been in recovery for 15 years and I, I wouldn't trade it for, for a second. I just, I wouldn't. You know, the good book teaches us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the problem with that is, man, if we don't love ourselves, humanity doesn't have a shot. Um, and I was just a, a lost, broken, tired, lonely, selfish, arrogant leader uh, pretending in a world. And I had this really warped sense of self that thought that self-worth equaled performance plus the opinions of other people. So your opinion of me meant more than my own opinion of myself. And so fortunately, recovery showed up in my life. and I got to find myself at the bottom of my soul. Um, and... I watched, you know, other organizations and especially those inside McGowan Braveman are realized that, man, like everybody comes to work with everything in their pockets, miscarriage, divorce, yeah. uh, you know, financial fear, addiction, all of those things. And there's a lot of employers that believe that like, well, people leave that at home. <laughs> yeah, right. They leave that at home. Good luck with that. Um, so if you can make that come alive inside your workforce and where the workforce has the freedom to be able to talk about that in beautiful ways, it's super useful, it's helpful. Uh, and, for, you know, for most leaders, unfortunately, if they're like me, is the gift of self-awareness is really the gift of the truth in regards to yourself. And take just take the masks off, yeah. you know, just take them off. Um, and, you know, in the book, there's some exercises to kind of help people kind of walk through, um, you know, who do I want to be, uh, who was I called to be, where I was, where I am. Um, and uh, it's just, a, it's a, it, I've had a blast. It's been a beautiful journey for me, and I hope other people uh, embrace it. So amazing. Congratulations, Scott, on your sobriety. That's amazing. Um, culture, Ray Dalio says it great when you said, uh, in his book when he talks about radical transparency and I love that what you're talking about and the one thing that I want to know about with you is that you know when we say culture that people talk about culture 
we're a little toxic and the culture's toxic. So culture is a great word. But what you said was very important for people to understand is there's principles, empowering principles that build a good culture, but you have to start with yourself. So when you're working with people, how, what principles do you kind of, first of all, show them, right? And attraction over promotion, and then also guide them into like not pushing someone, but saying, hey, maybe try it this way, or have you tried it this way? Because, you know, we all know guiding principles really affect the culture and who we are. You know, really culture, it, it does two things. Um, but it's not in a book and we don't say it out loud. But most people walk in a company and they want to know two things. How do I get in trouble around here? And how do I get rewarded? And if that's not clear, your culture's wonky, right? Because what we allow inside of our companies is actually what we encourage. So I was what we refer to as a destructive hero. So a founder's kid, you know, number one in sales, the untouchable. No one can do that. And my assistant walked in my office 25 years ago and said, hey, you got values painted on the wall. You don't exhibit one of them. I got my own set of values. You talk today's my last day. I was like, whoa. You know, so you need a truth teller in your life. By the grace of God, she stayed with me for 25 years. I found myself. I found others. Um, so truth tellers can really, really help us with that. But with other people, it's really um, like I love the word love. Like I love ice cream. And I love my wife and I love them two completely different ways. <laughs> but if I was in an organization around love is really, you know, the L is really for learning. And, you know, God gave us two ears and two eyes and only one mouth. So man, just listen watch walk walk around your office and look at you know either office environments or cubes and find out what your workforce what do they care about you know they like the buckeyes or like michigan you know the kids playing soccer you know like what, what what's in front of them because that's what they care about uh and then um you know if i had to say the number one trait i think in this planet that we need outside of curiosity is vulnerability uh, and when we're vulnerable it lets other people know that we're not alone. And then the E is in for really encouragement. And that's really, you know, my dad told me about 20 years ago, he said, Scott, everybody needs encouragement and the people that deserve it the least need it the most. And I, it took me a long time to figure that out. Because, I, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, my very best got me um, where I'm sitting today. And sometimes my, my best wasn't very good. Um, but there's a lot of people that they're not doing a good job in your company. But life's terms are it's kicking them in the butt and they're broken and they're tired and and maybe all they need is a nudge is uh, to let them know that they're okay and you'll be i mean then the, the people number one in sales they know they're number one in sales i mean they know it that's what they fight for and to be honest with you no they're more lost than the people that are broken so lift up the bottom because the top and you know you can just do beautiful things in your company that was a really long answer to a really short question <laughs> Amazing. I love that answer. Amazing. You know, you, you hit on a couple of things, Scott, as we finish up. One is uh, what is the greatest personal energy crisis that exists today and has been amplified today even more than when we were three of us. And it's between, you know, I am and this is what I want people to think I am. And this, this is creating an entire suck of energy uh, that and put all of us into all types of addiction problems, uh, 
trying to live up to what other people to think I am. It's hard enough to know what we think about ourselves, let alone worry about what other people think about us. What other people think about us is none of my business. And I've come to that realization of well, but you struck on something really important and it's the idea of a truth sayer. Uh, and in 2008, I went through a great transformation sitting on my bed uh, as I had lost over $100 million and went bankrupt, thinking about how much I hated my mom, my dad, my best friend, and my wife. And still liked ice cream, by the way, at the time. Uh, but I was on that bed thinking, what's wrong here? I have everything that everybody dreams of. I run the most notable sports agency in the world. I have over $100 million. I have access to what billionaires can't even afford to do. And yet, the only four people I hate because they're telling me the truth are the four most important people in my life. I think maybe I hate myself. And, you know, in this gap, if you're living here as the top sales rep, I promise you, you care what other people think. If you're the top sales rep and you're, and within the context of caring what other people think comes a lot of self-loathing, uh, a lot of I am not worthy, I am not superior, and so therefore I'm gonna give up my life proving that I'm superior and for no reason and getting more and more unhappy. You, from that truth sayer, it took you 10 years to get sober. Uh, it took me years from when my wife, me, from my self-loathing. Uh, what did you do in those years to get to where you are today? What practice would you suggest if someone out there is listening and it resonates with them with the two ears and the two eyes saying, shit, that's me, I hate myself. Where can they start? Yeah, you know, I, I think the first part is if you're if you're brave enough is is tell other people where you're where you're at. Um, and you'd be surprised. You know, there's a lot of people that are lonely. I wrote a poem one time called Visibly Broken. You know, I'm looking at you got I got a suit on. Right. I wore a suit for so many years. And, I mean, from the outside, I had everything. Big office, cars, homes, boats. But I was a hot mess on the inside. And if I would have been more vulnerable, it wouldn't have taken me 10 years. <laughs> I would have yeah. taken the fat ass. Um, so, you know, just openly share about that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, there's anything around emotional intelligence. It's just read. And then yeah. oddly enough, believe it or not, is our family can tell us the truth. Uh, but we're really not willing to listen. But our kids can be really honest. Now, we have to be careful because... When our kids are honest with us, they lose stuff like cell phones and car keys. So you got to make sure they don't like the truth. They don't lose things. So uh, and even, you know, Tom was talking about like his son, right? And his kids and how much he values that relationship. Uh, so I, I would say read your tail off in regards to emotional intelligence. If you've got faith uh, and just, you know, lean into uh, some form of spirituality. I, I always tell people I'm on the recruitment committee not the membership committee and faith and nothing is faith in something so just lean in uh and uh you know at the end of the day i've always said that the mirror is a wonderful place to find a friend and 
you know, you look in the mirror and you just start glancing back. Today I can look back and not in an arrogant way. You know, 58, I'm losing my hair. But I can look back and say, you know, you're a pretty good guy. You know, you care about humanity, you care about people, and uh, you're trying to put a dent in the world. So just keep going. Yeah, no, no more glamorized stuck. You know, and that's where I was so sick of myself. And I love, I love what you're sharing and the importance of learning and listening and watching uh, can heal. And especially with faith, I say, I'm on the recruitment committee of, hey, believe in something bigger than you that loves you more than your mom, you'll be just fine. I promise you, you'll be protected and promoted, not punished, and you'll learn to love you. Scott McGowan has learned to love himself as well, and he shares that now with so many other people. Once again, what a great episode of Office Hours. Join us. We have other shows. The world needs more of you as well, and uh, you are an epitome of radical humility. We appreciate you sharing with all of us. Thank you so much. Hey, like like Tom said, I love you guys. Thanks for everything you do, and keep spreading the love. Right on. Come back and join us. Incredible. Check out his book, Culture is an Inside Job. Keep on working inside every day. It's much more warm outside anyway, so it's easier to work inside. The weather's better. Uh, Speaking of the weather being better, my man, Mikey Diamond, he is on a date destined with David Meltzer, not Tony Robbins. He's here every Wednesday, has been for years in episode 560 of Office Hours. Over 4,000 guests, Mike, we've had, uh, if you can believe it or not, an incredible journey with so many people in so many shows. Uh, but nonetheless, every episode, my favorite moment is what are we going to take away and use for the day? What are we going to take away and use today? <clears throat> You know, it's such a really good episode because everyone was so, everyone had so much awareness and they just work it on themselves. And, you know, I love our first guest. I learned something the other day. It's someone called me and they were frustrated because it's hard. And I'm like, it's got to be hard if you want to grow. Because comfort kills and it drive and you become complacent, you become lazy. And when you become lazy, you just, you know, you're not, you're not of service to anyone. So what I really, really loved was the ability to adapt, right? To changes, the ability to do the hard work. And then, you know, just it's attraction of a promotion. If I can become an emotionally intelligent and work really hard, I'll attract people because they'll look at me and go, I want to be like that. Say it. No, just do it. Just get out and be a good person and everyone else will follow. Yeah. Uh, what a great one. My, my takeaway is simple today and it's uh, stand in front of the mirror and do this. I think I'm going to add that to my prayer in the morning of, you know, may God put at least 10 people in front of me that can help and may God put at least 10 people that can help me. I think I'm going to finish in the mirror every day. Maybe when I see a mirror, wherever it is, that's as much as I'm going to show it to my kids, I'm going to show it to myself because you can't give what you don't have. Nothing better to have than self-love and learn to love you, everyone. Look in the mirror every day. Give yourself a signal that it's okay. Live in humility. Allow life to come through you for others and share what you have, your skills, your knowledge, and your desire but most importantly, your love. I love you, Mike. Love you.
<laughs> That's my man. Mike Diamond's been showing up for years, early, late, and in between. Office Hours is here every Wednesday with Mike Diamond, and uh, we give a big shout-out to Mike Unbroken, who's our uh, bubble host. He's there on the bubble when we need him and when we don't. He's there for us. Uh, we love him. Anyway, uh, we'll be in Las Vegas today with Reluca. So if you want to see me and Reluca, we're going to be doing a meetup. First one, sponsored there by In-N-Out Burger at the Sahara Exit on the 15th way at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. Come and join us at the In-N-Out Burger. Grab the West Coast's finest burger and some information. Meet up uh, with a community of people that want to help each other and know people that can help each other. Hopefully I'll see you today at the In-N-Out Burger on Sahara Exit in Las Vegas. Praying for good weather, by the way. If not, we'll do it inside. Uh, more importantly, if you need uh, the laws to live by a book, I'll sign it to you, send it to you, pay for shipping, doesn't matter, pay for the book, just email me, david at dmeltzer.com. Remember, most importantly, as all my friends here today, uh, if you want to be notified, thanks, Luca, where I'm going to be, this is what I use. Uh, my text community will tell you what city I'm in, where I'm speaking, meetups, what coaching, 949-298-2905, during our text me. Uh, most importantly, as my three guests have suggested today, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds and love yourself. I love you. Have a great day. Thank you.